0: Um, the joy for me to introduce to you Howard Brown. He's our guest preacher today. He's a pastor in our presbytery, has been a pastor in this denomination for about 25 years now, I think is right. And um, Howard and I met one another when we were students at a little school up the road called Clemson University. Um, And we had a lot of conversations that I remember being filled with kind of just the joy and excitement of trusting Christ and knowing him. And um, I've admired Howard's ministry for a long time now. He does something that few people can do. He combines boldness and faithfulness. Oftentimes we think if if you're faithful, you can't really be bold. And if you're bold, you kind of go do your own thing. Howard combines the two in an amazing way. I just want to say thanks for modeling that uh, for me and for modeling faithfulness over so many years as a Christian leader. Um, Howard is currently uh, in Atlanta as a planting pastor for Kindred Hope Church. And uh, we're gonna have him come back in the fall when more in-towners are here. We're kind of scattered for the summer right now. And we're gonna have him come back in the fall and tell us more about what he's doing with Kindred Hope and the church plant and uh, how we can be excited and support what he's doing there. Today, Howard, just really thankful to have you at InTown. So Howard will come up in just a moment after our scripture reading.
1: Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark chapter two, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat. And go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good morning. As uh, Jimmy said, we went to Clemson together, and so we have been through the ups and downs of being in the middle, on the bottom, and on the top. And now we're in Georgia, where it's a great struggle, Um, especially for the last couple of years. Um, Hopefully, we can change that. There will be great sadness in the north part of Georgia the next couple of years. Uh, No, I won't say that. That, that, Y'all don't want to get me started in that. Yeah, uh, my wife is out here, Kelly Brown. Raise your hand, Kelly Brown. She is uh, actually, <clears throat> she's been in this denomination longer than I have, um, almost 30 years for you, right? 27 for you, 28, 29, 25 for me. And, uh, uh, and she works for our denomination no, agency, M&A, and the subcommittee under that, the subcommittee agency, African American Ministries, and so, um, and then beside her is my oldest son, Harrison, who is a first-year student. Well, he's going into his second year at SCAD Savannah, and um, yeah, that, that, I'm not, he, he's the artist. He is uh, brilliant in that way, and then just walking in beside him, who uh, is our younger son, Clark, and Clark is has just finished his first year at Morehouse College here in Atlanta. So, love y'all. Y'all make me a happy father on these on this Father's Day. <laughs> so, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. I realize that Father's Day apparently is like very low on holidays. They said it's like the lowest holiday. Um, there was a comedian who said, Where does, no Mom gets flowers, poems, cards, like breakfast in bed. And this comedian says, What does Daddy get? The big piece of chicken. That's it. <laughs> and Father's Day is over. So happy Father's Day to you guys. Today we look at a story of a paralyzed man and four friends. And Jesus, as you can tell from our reading, is beginning to get sold-out audiences. With him miraculously healing and feeding people along with his revolutionary and curious messages against the powers that be, Jesus has become harder and harder to get next to. In In our passage, there's a paralytic who needs to get to Jesus past the crowds, to, in order to be healed. And his dilemma matches in desperation some and much of what may be going on in and around us, doesn't it? Maybe because we are Christians or, 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 or because we are touched by God's general grace as human beings, but all of us believe somewhere, somehow, that there, there has to be more or better, that, that there has to be help and and healing for ourselves and those hurting and suffering in this world around us. But like this paralytic, each of us has experienced being jammed socially, spiritually, or circumstantially, and and held up in our faith and, and sheer ability to get to or find that healing, to get to or find that divine help for our extreme situation to get to the deliverance we and our world so desperately need. Well, there's good news from the Bible, from this passage for people like you and me, that God makes a way to him through carriers, I would just call them. First, as we carry each other through the struggle. Secondly, as we carry everything to him. And finally, as he, Jesus, carries our faith. Look at verse 1 through 4 with me again. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. There is a clear hardship. There is a clear struggle going on. This man, paralyzed, can't get himself to a place in the person of help and healing. And on top of that, the Bible says the smallish, I would describe a, a working-class, middle-class home is, is too packed to get this man in, to be seen by Jesus and have Jesus see him. He is held back by some kind of personal or social barrier, physical barrier. But the Bible shows us that his carriers engage in the struggle, each taking one corner, of the mat that the paralytic was on. Each equally sort of bearing the weight and balance of his movement, carrying him through the streets, through the crowds, and then getting to the house. They don't drop the man. Hey, buddy, I'm sorry. Tough day. No ticket for you, right? They don't drop the man in the streets, right? The Bible says that that through the hardship, that they can't go to the front door, so they go to the roof. I mean, they had to be tenacious and creative to get this man to his healing, to get this man to Jesus by any means necessary. Back then, these homes... um, had an outside stairwell, and and, and so they, stairway, and they they go around to the side. And and Mark's account here says, they removed the roof and made an opening to let him down to Jesus. So these roofs, which were strong enough to walk on, were overlaid with some kind of palm leaf. Let's call them all-natural tiles, Right? of some sort. It it, it says they they dug a hole through the roof. One translation says they unroofed the roof, (laughs) right? And then they dug. So, after removing the outer shell, whatever was serving as shingles, they dug into the hardened mud pitch made most likely from, yeah, animal poop, clay, and dirt gunk to make a hole big enough to lower him before Jesus to be healed. And Jesus says this in verse 5, as they undo the roof and drop this man right in front of him, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the power, excuse me, I'm sorry, and lo- lo- lowered them in front of Jesus, and verse 5 says this, seeing their faith. Y'all see that? He saw their faith. This starts out being about the four friends, the four carriers, if you will, for their part in getting this paralyzed man where he can be healed. So they get kind of a faith credit, a a thumbs up from Jesus. Hey, this is how you do it, right? For, For their work here. Faith to engage in the human struggle for another human being and being a faithful carrier of someone else's struggle, Jesus recognized that as an act of faith. It is part of being human, right? A fully healed human, a a human who believes in what Jesus is about, right? It is part of being human, much less a believer, for you and me to take faith, to take what I would describe sometimes as an unknown result, risk, and take someone else's problems, someone else's life and shortcomings and inabilities and disabilities into our very hands and move for them with hope. Making and building a community around them. And for them in a hard and harsh world filled with boundaries to others' sense of worth and dignity. Boundaries to them knowing and seeing the love of God that, that God has for them. Boundaries we ourselves may not be experiencing, but we take on as our very own as we carry them. It is our call to get creative, yes, and dirty, and to dig into the crap, right? Into the smelly, nasty realities of being separated from wholeness and health and spiritual fullness God has for people. Jesus is calling for you and me, especially believers, to be faithful carriers, to carry each other, to carry broken people into their broken situations where they can't go in ways they can't move or see for themselves. To have faith for them and use our strengths and abilities in community and concert for them in ways they are powerless to make a difference. To commit to join and owning their struggles to, to be necessary for someone else. So much so that if you drop your corner or your part, they're done. At Christ Central, the church Kelly and I served in for 20 years in Charlotte, that we planted there in Charlotte and served for 20 years before moving to Atlanta, we used to give them this, we used to give our people this instruction, and when we talked about structural oppression and maneuvering the world for human flourishing, wherever it may be, I used to, be say, I used to tell them, some are, of you are in banks, some of you are in retail, some of you are in schools. And I want you to even think when you go into the voting booth, uh, whatever you determine to vote, I want you to be carrying each other into wherever you go. You shouldn't be running through life without carrying something. So I have to ask you, where is your corner? Where are you holding up someone else's life? But let me prepare you. (laughs) Being a carrier, as they found out when they had to go to the roof and dig through that grout and mortar is an automatic challenge. I mean, think about this picture. Oh, man. I, I, you know, if I... If I was a director of this scene, it would be so beautiful. Jesus, people crowding in to see him. Oh, isn't this awesome? Like, he is doing of first importance, right? Teaching the word, people crowding in and and getting it, and and, and, and Jesus is, is just in the center of this thing. Oh, wonderful. And then dirt falls on the Son of God's head. It is completely unorthodox, isn't it? It's disturbing to what looks like the status quo. This is undignifying. You don't go… Jesus is talking, and he's got… See, this is real life. The Bible says they, they open the hole above Jesus. That means into his ear. As he looked up, maybe into his face. You don't know. Rooms filled with dust, totally undignifying, right? It, let, me, let me say this. It never fails, right? Helping people is always messy. And on the other side, carrying those who think they got it together but really are broken and paralyzed and frozen in their pride and arrogance, and we'll get to that in a minute, and ignorant people, or those who just have barriers and walls against religion and church, their lives, when you take home and begin to go there, you will find they're always filled with mess, like underneath the outward shell, right? Underneath the, the first, you know, when they lifted up the tiles, there was, oh man, we got to dig through that. Like underneath all of those outward barriers, right? And lines, there are barriers and lines and red tape and frustration and hardened history and getting there and running out of space or time and one problem becoming a new problem, like a a never-ending work, because the human struggle, without a doubt, is a mini-series of brokenness with many seasons and many episodes and many plot twists. that that, that sometimes takes the faith of many. You might need a community of people for one person sometimes, a community of people who are engaged in a struggle for someone else, and without a doubt, if you go to help or be faithfully involved, even doing it for Jesus, oh, we're so glad to get involved, it will become complicated. If you're helping people who have become paralyzed by fear and guilt and shame and who fear the church or or fear help, or fear being left behind, or who fear trying again, or who fear simply being cared for, things will get dirty and almost impossible. And the world, and even God, will appear at times to be against your best efforts. God, I can't help the paralytic. Hey, Jesus is in town. Let's go get him. Show up a crowd. God ain't for this, Right? does this have to happen when we're doing stuff to help people why does it have to be hard why does it have to be messy because we live in a broken world broken people live in a broken world (laughs) at christ central again it was our vision and goal back then to have eclectic community oh we we value diversity right Multi ethnic, multicultural, multi generational, multi social Oh, yeah. And we felt this the last uh, eight years more than anything. Multi political party. Fox News on one side, MSNBC on the other. Oh, I'm such a proud pastor of that. <laughs> and I had to warn people at the beginning, about being ambitious. Oh we, oh, we want to be part of this diversity. We want to be a beacon for the city. We want to look like Revelation, right? I tried to warn them. When you decide to join a community as a person who can walk and live in ways not like me, You're not paralyzed like me. You're paralyzed in a different way, but not like me in ways I can't, maybe because of racial history or where I was born into or whatever. You will face a complicated mess. You will be discouraged in walking with me, an African-American man from Charleston, South Carolina. Well, let's just have a coffee. Great. That one coffee ain't going to fix it. (laughs) It isn't. It's going to take 10 of y'all to get to a place where you can safely carry me to where I need to be. I saw the frustration, especially from people in privilege and power. Oh, well, let's just do this. It's an easy track. Yeah, right. And you get in there and you're like, why are you so angry? What's wrong? Can't you just forgive and move on? Right? We do this to each other. And we forget how broken the world really is. The way to healing is crowded with history, personal history, social and psychological damage and personal sin issues and lack of trust and fear, and you will get dirty and you will have to be, hear me, unconventional unconventional to you not to jesus not to the lord jesus was right where he was supposed to be underneath that ready to get that stuff in his hair not unconventional to him not unexpected to him unconventional to you you and i are not used to going through roofs to help people right but the paralytic's friends were not the only ones who exercised faith Jesus said he saw their faith, the paralytic, had to be faithful to be carried by four people. As desperate as he might have been, we must give weight to that, y'all he still had to trust and go along with four people, possibly strangers, maybe one of them a friend, to carry him to Jesus up the side of a building. There was no escalator. There's no elevator. There's no handicap access. There's none of that. And through a roof, y'all, in ways, hear this, that he couldn't control. Here is the call to faith. For our healing and wholeness. For many of us in this church, more so. Okay, this is PCA Church. So I know. I've been in this denomination for 25 years. Right? Here is a call to faith for our healing and wholeness. For many of us in this church, more so on the competent end of things. On the well-educated affluent overachiever successful and more ready to give mercy ministry than feel they think they need it do you have the faith to be the paralytic in the story or even accept to see yourself as the paralytic are you be are you willing to be carried that means are you willing to display and be the center of mercied attention, right? Like this paralytic in front of Jesus, and, and lay down in your exhaustion, admitting you don't have what it takes to get to where God would have you to go by yourself, on your own strength buy your own little plan you wrote up, buy the books you read, buy the things you've set up to get there, right? That you can't love your husband or wife or friends or parents or kids or business or depression, right? You've you've got all these things or get past the mental and emotional mess you're in or your anxiety or even your stoic, rigid and unemotional uh, mechanical nature or handle your work demands and, and environment on your own. Are you willing To defeat, here's the big sin, financially, you overspent, you mismanaged, you got to go see the deacons, oh, no way, that you need help. And our inability and disability, loneliness and isolation, let me ask you this, will you be carried? Will you be let down through a roof? Will you let someone else take and own your brokenness and digging into your mess, which means keeping still, submitting to the process, letting them get a little bit into the history of things, faithfully being, admitting, and owning weakness and helplessness for the first time in your life? Saying and declaring, I need two friends. I need three. No, I really need four people to take one in. I need the whole church to handle me and my problem, to bring me to Jesus, to bring me to healing and wholeness. Let me ask you in here, where do you lie on the mat? Where are you being carried right now? Where's your faith in this way? Going to say something, maybe harsh sounding, but there is no way you are getting to the Lord and His grace, being whole and strong, and stand the way God created and calls you to be if you don't have a community of carriers somewhere in your life and soul. Impossible. You don't know the gospel if you haven't been carried. If you haven't been. Because it it doesn't work that way. Jesus came for those who need to be carried and carriers and not for those who only come and stay and get through on their own. It don't work that way. The question is not how you're staying on top of your game, but how are you staying on top of that mat. You can't be about mercy, ministry, love, forgiveness, grace, and talking about all these nice words and concepts if you haven't been carried with mercy, love, and justice yourself. That's why these justice multi-ethnic city church models sometimes struggle because we create a caste system of those who carry and those who only and always need to be carried when we all need to be carried and all need to carry. Here's a hard one. Where are your faithful friends? Where are they? Where are your faithful caregivers? Who is and can take and carry you beyond your fears, beyond your faith, can take and uh, you, but where you desperately need to be and go for healing and, wh- and wholeness? Think about the names of four people who would tear the roof off for you. It, are they there? Who will trust Jesus for anything that may happen as a result of you going before him. Who won't drop you when it gets hard? Who will lower you down and offer you up to Jesus? Is there four? Are there four people? Three? Two? Some of us have to ask: Is there one? This is what authentic relationship and gospel community is all about—faithful companionship and carrying. That's why it can't all be about up here. Oh it, my pastor. Yeah, that's great. That's one dude who's carrying you. I know I'm not going to carry you. Right? But why you carry one of them, what you hope to get is also important, isn't it? Which brings us to this. We carry everything to him. So they go through all these struggles to carry this man. This man has entrusted his life to these four people, relinquished control, and they finally get to Jesus. And Jesus says to, the para- to this paralytic, almost comical here, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> that ain't why I came up in here, Right? He pulls that, I'll pray for you, Mass. Right? Not dogging that, but it is often what we don't want to hear when we have a bill due now or a husband and wife are leaving right now or we just got a bad report from the doctor or a boyfriend or girlfriend has broken up with us or we got fired, need a job, or have been abused or something like that. But Jesus has a reason for doing this in this order. God's hard to trust Jesus. He always messing stuff up. Says this in scripture, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the par- paralyzed man, verse five, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law, law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking and that also means he knew what he was doing, right? So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man um, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, I'm not going to delve too much. There's so many stories in this story, but I'm not going to delve too much into the whole sickness and sin belief thing in this sermon, that people were sick, sinned, sick because of their sin and their parents' sin and all that. But Jesus was using the faith of this man and his friends for his agenda, and not only healing this man and declaring his power and personhood to the world, that he was God in the flesh because he could heal and forgive sins, but to tease out The hypocrisy and challenge the teachers of the law, these teachers, right, dropped in on Jesus to make sure he didn't step out of bounds according to their law and their processes. That he didn't get a little, get out of control or go beyond what they could, according to what they would ask or think, right? God would do. That that things could be judged as right or wrong. But they didn't know or accept that this Jesus was God coming to flesh. And in using this situation to first forgive sin and back it up with the healing, that's exactly what he was doing. And they judged him as off, out of order. God's way, out of God's plan and way. So what's the point here with us in this? There is a temptation to carry with our expectations of what and how and when and why the Lord will do what he does when we carry or are carried to him. We want and expect one thing, and Jesus goes out of order. (laughs) Or does more. Jesus real extra, right? He, He does more than we have imagined or thought, and faith does not work like that. It's better than that. Faith is not bringing to God in hopes that he will do what we have deemed right according to our expectations and our order, but faith is dropping and being dropped into God's care Driven by turmoil, but expecting God to do what and only God has imagined and thought to do. When we carry and carry to the Lord Jesus, we carry everything to him. Oh, yeah, there's a situation. There's a dilemma. But when you get there before Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, yeah, in our prayer, this like number one, this man paralyzed. But Jesus, you're God. Be God in their life. Faith says more than anything, we expect and oftentimes we'll learn that you are Lord. What and who we carry must submit not only to our kind of small-minded, though important issues, but to your defined cosmic purposes and glory, Lord, and that Lord, the Lord is way better and best than what we could have ever imagined and thought in carrying or being carried, we get with Jesus and he does magnificent things that you and I haven't even thought about. This heart and thought is so important if you're going to carry or be carried because the, the result of direction or timing and the cloudiness and crowdedness and the unexpected is not because God is not faithful. It is because he is God. And we don't like him having to declare he's God before doing the healing. How dare this Jesus try to prove his sovereignty and love and grace before he does the thing we came for him to do, right? This ain't part of the plan. And I'm sorry, there are whole churches and movements and theology built around that. We don't need the rest of that stuff. We just need our stuff, God. 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 Oh, did I just call you God? Sorry. Like, some of us, and this is hard, because some of us have lost faith and left the faith or refused to get involved in the lives of people because when we brought someone or something to God or were submitted to and brought it, we had no idea that we were giving the Lord access to everything. If you carry it to Jesus… He will be the Lord of everything and treat everything and everyone like he is the Lord, which is way better and possibly different than you thought, isn't it? You see, the real carrying a the story was Jesus. Well, we carry to the Lord and I carry to Jesus takes and carries where we are impossible to go. He carries, as the Son of God, beyond the barriers of human imagination and natural limits and, and sin limits, he tears the roof off of not just your situation, He tears the roof off of human possibilities. In claiming to be the Son of Man, in verse 10, Jesus carrying the whole room not just the whole room the whole cosmos and, and 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 he's carrying everybody in that situation he's carrying their different levels and versions of disbelief and faith paralysis providentially the whole room drops in as a paralytic somewhere in their lives and beliefs and Jesus picks up and carries the legalistic the unbelievers, the desperate, those just dropping in, those eavesdroppers on religion, the hurt, the undeserving, beyond the barriers to a grace and mercy and love and relationship with God beyond what they would ever dare or ask for or thought they were getting into. There was a belief back then that the sin of a person or their family, like I was talking about, caused folk to get sick. And again, don't have time to tease out how that is true and not true. But With this man's healing, with forgiveness, he was going to give this paralytic and possibly their friends more than what their faith or sin could have ever dared them to know or ask for themselves. Do you see what Jesus does here? Look at verse 5 again. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, some translations say, my son. Jesus calls the man child. Son. God's child. You see that? Jesus picked up where their limited ability and faith to know or ask or think or go there or carried them beyond the touch of his hands for healing, but into the loving arms and relationship and rightness and joy of being a child of God. Do, do you hear this? They would never think to ask, we're going to take you to Jesus for God in the flesh to look you in the eyes and say, my child. We would never think to ask that. In our unholiness, in our brokenness, would God look to us and call us his children? The joy of being a child of God, an impossible place for any of us to demand of God or earn from God, a forgiveness that makes us children and people of God. And that calls us, like this man, to a worship and praise and amazement that we could not have seen or known and experienced in life with God and others that we were blocked from, all because the Son of Man, Jesus, came and carried our sins away and now carries us up him. You see, when Jesus died, he was paralyzed with our sin. I'm going to think about it. The Son of Man humbled himself. He was carried in and on a death blanket, paralyzed by death, and laid in a tomb. So that when he rose, he could announce and promise us to take up your mat, to get up from your paralysis of belief, come out of alienation of not of being a sinner and be a son or daughter, of trying to manage your brokenness and righteousness alone and walk in new life. At the end of this passage, it says that they were amazed and praised God and exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. I'm not sure they're talking about just the healing, even though that was fantastic. But a man, an outcast and his friends, got more and better and the best of who, who they were praising that God alone could give. The Son of Man came to carry our sins away. There is a scripture later in the Bible that says this, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Do you know the amazement of such beauty, of such love, of such affection of being a child of God, of the drama of being surprised by the broadness and unexpected to be carried to and carried by the Son of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing and unexpected movements of faith. Help us to have faith to pick up the mat and lay on the mat And then, Lord, the faith to just trust that what and who we bring to you, you're going to be loving and caring and execute your grace to call us children of God, to remind us of that. We praise you for that, Lord, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.